Dave Portnoy didn't let a Washington Post hit piece rain on his pizza parade. I spoke one-on-one -on -one with the Barstool Sports founder to get his mentality in the wake of controversy. Plus, this weekend marked week three of the NFL and a lot of talk about what was going on, including a Taylor Swift sighting at the Chiefs game. We get into all of that and so much more. Outkick the Morning starts right now. Hello, everybody. Good morning. It's Monday. It's raining here in New York City, but we're still here. We still have high spirits. So with that, welcome on into Outkick the Morning. I am your host, Charlie Arnold. And joining me on this fine Monday morning, former NFL wide receiver, Chris Mano. How's it going? Things are great. Thank you so much for Th having me Things are back. great. It's been raining for three straight days in New York. It's been raining physically, but I've had a nice, bright, sunshiny weekend. Oh, have you? I did. Well, you didn't want to get into it right away, but if you're going to lay the groundwork, then by all means, what happened this weekend? I figured it was going to happen anyway. Well, I coached a game on Friday that was rescheduled from Saturday because of the rain. Okay. I got engaged on Saturday. Wow. So big, big step for me. And then uh, yesterday was my fiance's birthday, so just a busy one. Just so your fiance is a very lucky woman right now. She got engaged <laughs> and she had a birthday in one weekend. Yeah, it was a big weekend for all of us, I think. Yeah, I think that was kind of the plan. I wanted to try to get it all packed into one shot and then we can move forward. And, well, and congratulations. We you. have a newly engaged man on set. We do. So uh, that's that's incredible. Well, another guy that had a tremendous weekend, uh, our good friend Dave Portnoy, because what a weekend it was for him to stick it to the liberal media. Saturday marked Barstool founder Dave Portnoy's first ever One Bite Pizza Festival. And despite a major attempt by the Washington Post to paint Portnoy as a misogynist and troubled individual in its effort to convince sponsors to pull out of the event, it failed miserably. Reporter Emily Heal's hit piece hit newsstands and social media and did not accomplish anything except to expose to the world the horrific journalistic tactics used by left-leaning media like the Washington Post. In fact, the Washington Post article was fact-checked on X, not to mention the Pizza Fest, a smashing success. More than 5,000 people attended despite the steady rain all day long. A couple of those 5,000 people, myself and my producer, Katie. Now, the pizza was... Incredible, as you can imagine, but even better. The support for small businesses that Dave has up to at this point raised $50 million for since 2020. And while I was there, I had the chance to catch up with the man himself to see how Dave was feeling in the wake of controversy. They did that ridiculous hit piece about you in the Washington Post. Um, now that that's a little bit in the rearview mirror and you see still how much of the success today is and how none of the sponsors even considered pulling out despite all of the negativity that was presented beforehand to them. Uh, what does that mean to you? It means a lot. Um, it's one of those weird things because like what happens online and social media, it's like an echo chamber and I know it's not the real world because I've dealt with that type of stuff now for a long time. And then you go on the street and everyone loves you and happy and say hello. And especially here, people just want to have fun, eat pizza, and it actually weirdly makes people more motivated to support the event, support the pizza places, and even the pizza places. It's like, I know them, I'm friends with them. I, I, I don't go in once and stop talking to them. Um, so it just brings the community together. They don't mean to, but it makes, kind of the Barstool fandom and all that stuff, the things they hate makes us stronger. Has there been an Emily Heel sighting today at the Pizza Fest? <laughs> none of these, she's a coward, and she would never, ever, ever show her face. And she won't even talk to me on the phone, never mind show up here. So no, we'll never get that. If any of my haters want to sit down, that is an open invite. And then how about the fact that she keeps her job? I mean, what does that say as far as the credibility of the Washington Post goes? <laughs> 
It's a trash rag. I mean, they actually, shout out Elon, they got fact-checked on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Um, they posted their article and right below, they just, you know, the reporter admitted that um, she was making it wise and negative. But it is what it is. I'm used to it. Unfortunately, it's a state of the media. Uh, you just roll with the punches, but nothing surprises me anymore. Will it end at this point? <laughs> Never. That, I've come to grips. Whatever we do, whatever I do, that is perceived as fun or successful, the people who don't like me will try to, you know, sit in their little, like, caves type and try to tear it apart, which is crazy. It's like, you don't have to come if you don't like it. Um, but, you know, they try to tear it apart. We'll keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. That was. It was so cool, Chris, uh, to be out there uh, among 5,000 other people. It was, like I said, raining all day. But the fact that the Washington Post tried to sabotage Dave in the event, trying to get sponsors to pull out by... By, by giving out alleged negative information, none of it which was confirmed, uh, it was really just a straight up hit piece. Uh, what does it say to you that none of the sponsors backed out, the turnout was incredible, and not to mention the icing on the cake also was that the post got fact checked on X. The best, the best, probably one of the best new parts of X, so props to Elon. I thought it was awesome. I think at this point, if you sponsor a Dave Portnoy event, you kind of know what you're getting involved in. So I didn't expect that many would pull out. I thought Dave did a fantastic job. He's got to be used to this by now. He's been dealing with it for, what, two decades? Mm -hmm. I think it was great. He took it to the Washington Post. He took it straight up, head on. Uh, he was composed. He was calm. He maintained his cool, which I don't know that I would have been able to do if I was kind of calling. He's some. used to it, though. He has to be. And he was educated on it, and he left the reporter flustered, clearly. Do you think that this is going to have any effect on how journalists, we, you know, not all journalists are created equal, of course, but, you know, places like the Washington Post, uh, that they're going to go, how they go about and try to get information, how they try to, uh, what journalistic tactics they use moving forward. Do you think this is going to have any influence, having maybe learned their lesson or, or no chance? I would like to think that possibly, but they went ahead and they released the article anyway. So it makes me believe. And there was no, um, there was no interview with Dave. They were supposed no. to interview him right. and then they canceled. Well, they found the first reason they could to get out of there. I think it was something as simple as like a time change, right? So he was supposed to set it up for 10 a.m., they, they want to push it to five, and from there it was over. But no, uh, unfortunately, that's what we've seen now, right? How many years are we dealing with? They just kind of impress a point over and over and over and over again, and it becomes fact, unfortunately. That's just the way journalism is now, and it's a terrible problem, but that's where we stand right now. We need to change it. Yeah, especially, I think... Uh, Dave said the other day, which really struck me, is they're not journalists anymore. They're activists. That's exactly what they are. Everybody comes to the table with an agenda, and that's on both sides. And uh, it's crystal clear. I mean, we see facts. every, uh, Like you said, they were fact-checked immediately. He brought everything to the table. He told you, I'm going to record you right now. He put everything out there, and she had nothing for him. It was so interesting. That was the part that struck me is he straight up said, I am recording you right now. So if you had any semblance of intelligence, I would imagine you would be like, okay, let me regroup. I'm obviously not going to say what I'm actually thinking because that would make me look incredibly stupid. It, but still, she didn't even, it was like no filter. She's like, yeah, actually, you know, this is a tactic that we use. This is a, crazy, a you know, right? something that we, we always do. Wasn't and that crazy? And, and I, I give her props for like standing in the trenches for as long as she did. I thought she was probably gonna bail earlier. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't, that's what, we see it so much and it, it we need to do something about it for sure. Well, something that I'll tell you was great at the pizza festival besides the amazing slices, which we're going to get into a pizza review later this week, uh, which is which is super fun. Uh, Dave got on stage and he said multiple times, F the Washington Post and people were going nuts. 
Uh, so people really standing by him, and I think even more so than before. People don't like to see people that are doing good for the community try to be taken down. And I think of all people, like, you know, there was all, there's so much commotion and, and, and horrible things that have happened to small businesses, uh, especially in New York City since the pandemic. And, and Dave Portnoy, of all people, is not the one to try to take down. He's, he's done nothing but help these small businesses, put them on a pedestal, give them a platform to make more money. And now we even talked to one of the uh, pizza owners. He, he was crying. That was one of the greatest points he made the whole time. You guys make such a, you guys go out of your way to kind of talk about any questionable thing I may have said or done in my career, but you always fail to even mention the great things that I've done. Done more for small businesses than anybody mm -hmm. could have imagined during mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic. And who would have thought it was that guy that would raise up in the time of, you know, the country Absolutely. was in a time of need, so. Well, from small business to big business, I'm obviously now talking about the NFL. Uh, it was week three. We have a lot to talk about. But first, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. They really haven't given us much to really chatter about this season. They're 0-3 so far, but their cheerleading squad is making headlines for boasting the first transgender cheerleader in the NFL. She's 31 years old. Her name is Justine Lindsay. She's currently in her second season with the squad, and it appears she has some tensions with OutKicks Riley Gaines as Riley is a strong proponent of the Fairness in Women's Sport Act, which was passed in North Carolina with the goal of preventing transgender athletes from competing in sports designated for biological females, while Lindsay intends to fight its intention until she says she, quote, can't fight anymore. Okay, so this story is a little interesting because the first thing that comes to mind for me is we obviously aren't supportive of, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I would imagine a transgender athletes in women's sports. But a cheerleading squad, as we know, has both men and women on the squad. So is this still considered a faux pas or something we should be pushing back against? Well, I, first of all, let's just take a sidebar. I can't be the only one who had Tracy Morgan Longest Yard cheerleader vibes like, immediately <laughs> upon hearing this, right? I don't know if you're familiar. I haven't seen that yet, but, oh, but I know Tracy, Tracy Morgan, so I can it's only incredible. imagine how ridiculous it's that incredible. would be. Uh, look, I think we have to, we're at the point where it's going to be kind of black or white with this stuff at this point. I train a lot of athletes, uh, female and male, so I think I have a unique perspective on this. I get to see some of their numbers in the weight room or their numbers on the tracks, yes. and don't get me wrong at all, there are so many females who are absolute killers. I mean, I have soccer girls and lacrosse girls and, and now flag football girls who put up incredible times, but I think they know and I know that... When you kind of max them up together, what I think is going to need to happen, and I've said this for a long time, and it's it's a horrible thing, I think somebody important is going to have to, ha I hate to say it, that have Get a injured. daughter injured or have a daughter who loses a scholarship to a someone who is a biological male and decides to make the jump over a couple of months prior. And until one of those people are really kind of hit where it hurts, I unfortunately, I don't see... I don't yeah. see how we're gonna, how we combat it. That's what I said from the beginning. I think, you know, the unfortunate part, for example, with Riley Gaines is she's done so much, you know, great awesome. as far as furthering the conversation. Sure. But let's be honest, swimming is on the back burner. It's on the back of people's minds as far mm -hmm. as collegiate sports goes. No one's really paying so much attention to swimming. Sure. So Leah Thomas, although having a huge effect, and when you see the pictures of her standing next to the other female swimmers, right. it really makes you say, oh, you know, how, how is this happening? But it's swimming. If it were basketball, it might be a different story. If it were even soccer, right. maybe a different story, but but it needs to be a sport that has a little bit more exposure. Uh, so on that note, I totally agree with you. Uh, but also on the subject of this transgendered um, cheerleader, uh, it's, just a, it's just a strange optic because you have like the huge muscular thighs and the tiny little skirt. So even if men are allowed on the team, 
you know, you have the men in their traditional, what they usually wear, which are like the more of the shorts and the t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I just have to imagine that there are, you know, the football players on the field or or the, the males in the stand or even women who are saying, oh, you know, this is not something that I really signed up to stare at all game long. Yeah, I've been able to see it from both sides as a player and a fan and actually as close enough as being on the Panthers for a little. So I've been able to see that team specifically. And it's just a bad business move to me, right? Like I know, obviously the players aren't into it and I know I can speak as a fan for the majority of my life. Nobody's going there to see that. I can't, can't imagine that anybody supports looking at it. So yeah, no, it just seems like a bad business move to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a very strange business. I, I, right. I just wonder how, how far uh, in this direction other teams will go, go for because that's only one cheerleading squad out of 32 teams. Right. Will there be more transgendered athletes that are allowed on these cheerleading squads? Uh, will they welcome more transgendered athletes into these squads? Because we, we also know the direction the NFL is going in general with all of their social injustice sure. um, um, uh, directives and things like that. It, it seems like that's the path that they might be interested in going 100%. down. 100%. And let's be honest, at this point, does a team even have a choice? Like if somebody who looks like me comes out and says, I want to cheer for your team, and you go ahead and say no, that's a death sentence right there, right? Exactly. Like it, whether you like it or the fan base seems to like it, it, it doesn't really matter at this point. Absolutely. Well, let's go from the NFL to college football because there's a name that no one can keep out of their mouths in college football. Of course, that's Deion Sanders. And Chris, I don't know if you noticed, but last week I compared Deion to President Trump, and Love I believe... It. The case just got even stronger this past weekend because Deion Sanders just suffered a massive 42 to 6 loss to the University of Oregon. It's Coach Prime's first loss of the season, but just like Donald Trump lost the 2020 election, now his polling numbers are higher than ever, setting him up for the greatest comeback victory of all time. And just like I imagine now, Deion Sanders is now poised for a comeback of his own. Maybe not this upcoming weekend because it is USC, better than even Oregon, many would argue. But we realize Prime is building something very special, though many still don't see it like that. Oregon's head coach Dan Lanning, for example, who blasted Sanders in a fiery pregame speech to his team. Listen to this. Rooted in substance, not flash. Rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment. The Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go. Is that how you talk to your students, your student athletes? <laughs> It really depends on the group. You have to kind of know your players. And as much as I love how Coach Prime handles it, I'm totally cool with how the Oregon coach yeah. handled it. You kind of got to know how to, like, press He's the really aggressive, in. though. <laughs> you know what, though? I'm all right with it. He's, I think he's right. I, I Look, first of all, I love what Prime's doing. I, I think he's a breath of fresh air for college football. He's got diehard, super invested. He's bringing casuals in. And look, how many guys can have that kind of ratings for a Colorado-Colorado Colorado State game on a weekday? Um, but yeah, no, I don't care. However you can kind of, I mean, short of, you know, disparaging your guys too much, I'm, I'm cool with however you touch your players. You got to learn how to, how to reach your guys. And I'm and sure different, different guys react to, to different types of messaging. Uh, but Deion Sanders obviously has done so much good already for the yes. University of Colorado Absolutely. program. And I think a lot of people, what they don't realize is it's not about just this season. It's about 
his recruiting efforts. I mean, he's just, he's, this is just the start of something very special. Uh, the program's only going to get stronger and stronger. Right. More people are going to want to come on to, you know, under, under his wing, things like that. So what does it say to you when they get a huge loss like this? Does it affect your mindset as far as how important this program is or how people should view it? Well, mind you, this is a program that could have lost this game last year and nobody would have cared for a second. Right. I've always said since he came on board, Dion is the ultimate recruiting tool, right? Because these players grew up watching them, some of them. Those who haven't kind of see him on YouTube and clips, he's cool as can be still. They see him as a pipeline to the NFL. So what I think is I, I'm, I'm convinced that every recruiting class coach has is going to get significantly stronger and stronger and stronger. This is a team that would have gotten their doors blown off by a TCU and stuff last yeah. year. And look, they're in the mix. They won their first three. And they have athletes that can play with the highest level. I think right now well, it's his son. Death. His son is both of his sons are great. Right? right? They lo- they're missing their, maybe their best player, five star recruit Travis Hunter, who really showed out the first couple of weeks from the hit the week yeah. before. I think the I think the team and the program gets significantly better every year as long as Prime's there. Uh, now we're going to get a little bit of ahead of ourselves, but. Okay. How many years from now do you see them winning a national championship? Oh God, a national championship is so far out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I that's that's a that's a long one. I, I the question's gonna be how long does Prime stay there? Uh the big thing lately is is he gonna make the jump to the league? And I don't think that'll be a thing, because I think the kind of dude he is, he's kind of prideful and he's got an ego. So you don't think he would wanna go to the NFL? At the at the NFL level, it's very hard to have the impact over your players that you do over a college player. So this is true. These guys are making thirty, forty million dollars a le- a year. You don't have quite the the yeah right. Impact They're like shut your, up. And and also at, and also yeah. at that point, they probably a lot of them have reached. I mean, Deion Sanders is you know a diamond in the rough. Of course. But once you reach that level of stardom in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, you feel yourself the way that a lot of people feel about Deion Sanders. So you're kind of like, all right, I don't need we're, any of this from you. We're like almost peers at that Ex- point, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, but I, look, I don't think he's, uh, be honest, I don't think he stays at uh, Colorado terribly long. So I think maybe a nice three-year stint at Colorado, and I think he moves over to a mm-hmm. big-time program and gives himself a better chance to win a, yeah. a national title. I would love to see him at Florida State. Uh, well, let's talk about superstars because we already okay. knew the Dolphins were good, but the offensive clinic they put on the Broncos yesterday, ridiculous. Right. 70 to 20 was the final score. I mean, 70 points. I was looking at the screen like, am I reading that correctly? You know, it's just that it's not a number you, you typically see in a football game. That's more of, you know, like uh, maybe like the halftime score in a basketball game, right? right. Um, so the question is, does Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator of the Broncos, have a job still today? No one would be surprised if he didn't with that performance. Do you think that this says more about uh, how dismal the Broncos' defense is or how outstanding the Dolphins' offense is? Look, the old adage is speed kills, right? And Miami is loaded with it. And they don't just have track-fast guys, which they do have. We've seen track-fast guys like Darius Hayward Bay and John Ross kind of come to the league and they're one-trick ponies, straight-ahead stuff. Yeah. These Dolphins players are athletes, and they're football fast. These guys have top-end track speed, and they're glitchy. I like to call it glitchy fast. Mm-hmm. Like, Cheetah, toughest cover in the league. you got Waddle, right? You've got Raheem Mostert. You've got uh, the, the running back last night who went off for a couple yeah. touchdowns and 200 yards. It, uh, Achny, uh, uh, A-Chain, I think his name yeah. is. Sorry, I couldn't pronounce it properly, but... This team is loaded with speed, top to bottom. They're going to get Jalen Ramsey back. They're, they're going to be somebody to watch this year. I, I, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, playoffs, no doubt. Uh, but I could see them like making some some real waves in the postseason. 
Look, at the rate that they're going now. 100%. I think the skill players that they have are incredible, but as with most NFL teams, it's going to begin and end with if you can keep Tua upright. Uh, right? So keep, far, he's looking good. So far, so good. And he did last year, too. It's If they can keep guys off of Tua and keep him healthy, the sky's the limit for this team. All right, well, I, I, I hope to see more of that because that was definitely a fun game to watch. Uh, also a fun game to watch. Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Bears. Not because of the game, though, everybody. Uh, we got confirmation last week that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift were a thing. Uh, and it was, you know, on the, at this point, we were playing the waiting game. When are we going to get to see Taylor at a Chiefs game? We want to see her cheering on our man. Well, we did not have to wait long because not only was Taylor Swift sitting in Kelsey's box for the Chiefs' blowout over the Bears, she was sitting right next to Mama Kelsey. And Kelsey knew he had to put on a show for his woman, so he ended with seven receptions, 69 yards, one touchdown. So far this season, his best performance. We know he's capable of doing more, but just all things considering this season alone, uh, he put on a nice little show for Taylor Swift. Uh, my question is, how soon is too soon to meet the mom? Because I feel like if they did just truly start dating and it's only casual at this point, it seems like things are progressing pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, way too fast. Way too fast. You have to earn the right to meet mom, right? Or do you think that maybe we have been bamboozled and actually they've been dating for a lot longer and they've been keeping it under wraps? Yeah, I think you and me have a different theory. We kind of like touched on it before yeah. the show. I kind of, I question the genuineness of this relationship. Okay. I don't know. It's been an interesting weekend for Trav, as you know. He's done some uh, advertisements that are a bit, you know, uh, questionable yeah. to some. This is true. Uh, and now he's got himself a new girlfriend. Um, we we were calling it on social media the level up package. So tra Travis Kelsey, a big money for a couple new advertisements, brand new girlfriend, and now he kind of shoots himself into a different stratosphere. So I don't know. You seem to think it's a little more genuine. I seem to think it's a little more concocted, uh, almost Kardashian-ish to oh. me. But, you know, I like Trav very much, and I hope... This is the real thing, especially for the Chiefs, because I think it could get ugly for him if there's a whole album about him in a year. Uh, yeah, definitely. But by then, he's going to be so famous. I mean, the Swifties I already saw, they were all over Twitter going insane, which mm -hmm. I've never <laughs> been one to see Taylor Swift fans so into NFL football. And now that? it's like it's all they can talk about. So if for nothing else, uh, this is going to put Travis Kelsey in another stratosphere. Uh, the Chiefs are going to get even more famous. For and sure. if they go on to win yet another Super Bowl, I don't even want to talk about how expensive the tickets are going to be, oh, it's going to be uh, crazy. with all the Taylor Swift fans trying to be in attendance for that one. Uh, okay, well, while Swifties would no doubt consider Travis Kelsey to be the Superman in Taylor's life, we now bring in the man who is actually known as Superman. We now welcome in Dean Kane, best known for playing Clark Kent in the TV series Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Uh, Dean, I hope you just realized I compared you to Travis Kelsey right there. So congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, it's good for Travis. Now, now, a guy who has played Superman for so many years, obviously. this is obviously the peak of what a man can do as far as acting is concerned, at least in my perspective. Uh, what's it like to have to carry that persona with you, uh, not only during the time you were actually acting in the show, but I would imagine for many years afterwards, including up until now? When time you're competing in something athletic, um, if you, you're playing basketball, say, say Chris and I were playing basketball and he swatted my shot, you know he's going to make a Superman reference right then and there. Get that out of here, Superman. You can't fly. It just never started. It never see yes. Cam Newton, all that happens. Um, you know, look, it's great to play a, a character like that, but what Travis has done in the NFL has been unreal. He's been fantastic. It's funny to see this sort of the crossover 
Um, he's the best tight end in the NFL right now and has been for years. And he's a first ballot hall of famer, bless him. But you know, he, 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 he can do a lot, but he can't fly, Chris. He can't fly. So it's interesting because we just compared you to a football player, but what a lot of people don't realize Dean is you actually played football. You played through college at Princeton. And then after graduating, you were picked up in free agency by the Buffalo Bills. It was a very short stint because you ended up having a career, a career ending injury in training camp. You hurt your knee. But when you look back on that, do you have any type of regret? Do you think your career as a football player really would have been something that you would have wanted to carry on for several more years? Or do you feel like making the pivot to acting actually was a blessing in disguise at that point? Kind of a double-edged sword there. I, I, you know, every athlete wants to get to that level. You want to get there. And, and being in camp and playing with Buffalo at the time, uh, it was the same year that, that Thurman Thomas was a rookie. So it was a great, a, a great squad at the time. My, my rookie year, we lost the AFC championship. And then the next four years were all Super Bowl years. So great time to be there. And a lot of athletes always want to ask the question, you know, could I have made it? Uh, fortunately, I was there. I felt very comfortable in the system. So that I didn't have that lingering question in my head, could I have made it? I know I could have made it. I felt very comfortable in that system. It's a bummer, though. You know, people don't realize how how quickly that career can be over. It's one play. You look at what happened to Nick Chubb, as great as he is, and hopefully it's going to be a, a less serious injury than it looked like. But it's just one play, and it can happen in practice. Look what just happened to Trayvon Diggs. You know, it could be any time, any place. And so that's so difficult um, as an athlete. But you know, I knew I would play for a little while and whatever, when it was over, I'd, I'd probably step into the acting world. But I have to tell this story. While I was playing Superman, I came back and I was uh, an honorary captain against the Dolphins. End of the year, whoever won that game won the division. And it was a cold day in Buffalo, as it, it tends to be in late November. Uh, December. Andre Reed caught a pass right on the sideline, tried to turn it up for first down, just got crunched right in front of me. Stepped off. I mean, I could see the pain. He just sort of bent over, sat next to me, and he just took a second. And he goes, hey, man, how do you get into that acting thing anyway? So, so I was like, you know what? Maybe I chose the right, maybe I chose the right uh, line of work because uh, it's, a, it's a very brutal game on your body. I've had six surgeries as it is, um, but it is by far my favorite sport in the world. I think it's the greatest sport ever. So it's interesting because there's only so many people in the world that I would imagine have success and very great success in two different industries. I mean, in such different industries, you've got football, you've got acting. Uh, how did you decide? Like, what was the moment? You're obviously injured that I know your mother also was an actress, but was it something that had already been on your mind? If I don't continue a career in football, I'm going to transition to the acting business. Well, I grew up the son of my, my dad's a director. So I grew up with, you know, Sean Penn, Chris Penn, Rob Lowe, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Holly Robinson. These are all my right. friends that I grew up with. And so when I went to college, I started watching them all get very famous. In fact, my father directed Young Guns with a lot of those kids in it. He produced and directed that. And I'm watching my friends, you know, who I grew up with in elementary school become, you know, the sexiest man alive. And I'm like, Charlie? How did Charlie become the sexiest man alive? Like, you know, um, so that stuff, I was very familiar with it. I didn't think it was anything special, you know, because everybody that I knew did it. So it was just another thing to go into. Um, I watched with my friends at Princeton. I saw them all go and start, you know, going into investment banking and 
all that sort of stuff, Wall Street in the summertime internships. And I, then I went to my dad's sets and I was like, hmm, which one seems like more fun? Uh, definitely be on a set, definitely make it. Yeah, easy, easy decision there, right? right? Yeah, investment yeah. banking does not seem like it has all of the thrills that uh, being in the acting world would. And I guess no, to be at the top of both, to be at the top of, of your field in two different things, Dean, what are some of the things that you took from the gridiron over to the acting world that helped you to kind of make a pretty seamless transition? You know, the, that's a great question. The, but people don't realize, you know, what you have to do as a team player. You know, when you're part of a team, you can't, as I was a defensive back, if my if my defensive line didn't put pressure on the quarterback, much harder for me to play defense. Um, you know, and and even, you know, if, if my free, if I'm a free safety, I'd come clean up a lot and run support. If my strong safety didn't clear out a lot of that traffic, I'd have big old linemen trying to block me and I can't make my, my tackles and things. So you learn teamwork. Um, and the funny thing is, it should translate into the film, but a lot of folks that are actors and stuff don't really have that mentality because they haven't been part of a team. I think it, for me, it made me very humble because you're on the football field. Um, I don't care how good you think you are. Somebody's going to come clean your clock out and you better get back up. That's just the way it works. And I think that taught me to have a, a thick skin. It taught me to not take things personally. It taught me hard work and perseverance, which I think, you know, are things that you need in life. It just equips you for life, period. Um, the film world is just a weird world. I mean, because it, unlike football, where if you work really hard in the weight room and you work really hard in the off season, you're going to have tangible results. You can work your tail off and never make it in the film world. So it's uh, it's a little more frustrating than that. There's no such thing as, you know... It's very, it's very subjective rather than objective. Is that kind of how you would describe it? Well, way to be smarter than me, Charlie. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm bringing the big, big guns out on this Monday morning. Uh, something else that I think would be described as a world, weird world is just that of Hollywood in general. And Dean, I know that you made the decision to leave Hollywood, m more so described as just Los Angeles, for Nevada because of what you call woke politics. Uh, I actually know some others who have made that same transition, Mark Wahlberg being one of them. What types of differences have you noticed being in this business and leaving what is considered, I guess, like the the home, right, of, of the acting world in Hollywood and going to Nevada? I grew up in Malibu, California. So my whole life has been there. Uh, yeah, I went to school back east for college and such, but the last five years, I think I've made one movie in California. Uh, everything's moved out of there. California has become, it's, well, I think California has gone insane. The policies and the things that they're doing out there just don't make sense. Um, and I fought it, um, you know, online, speaking my mind, interviews. I've talked to all sorts of politicians. And I, I just wasn't making any headway. It was my son who finally was like, Dad, you keep on complaining about the things here in California. And there's, you know, why don't we just get out? Um, I happen to be in Spain right now. That's why there might be a little bit of a funny connection here. I apologize for that. But um, leaving there, I thought would be a really tough thing. Um, but getting out into the sort of the world where, you know, the currency isn't how cool you are in Hollywood um, has actually been a huge mm. blessing. And and I I adore it. I, things are so much easier uh, in Nevada where I am. Um, you know, I'm near Las Vegas. You got all the sports, all the shows, all the I mean, it's so great. I see more of my friends because everybody comes in there. Uh, I just wanted to get out of the bad policies that California was just perpetuating and going on and on and on. And, yeah. you know, things like Newsom just just vetoed the bill. But I mean, 
uh, which I'm shocked at about, you know, they'll take your kids from you if you don't, you know, verify their, their gender or back up their stuff that just made no sense to me as a father. You know, you tell Can you, my, yeah, it's 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 unbelievable uh, that we're even having these discussions where that would be something that would dictate who gets custody over a child. It's just it feels like we're living in an alternative universe at this point. And uh, if you didn't also hear, L.A. is also building a uh, tent city for the homeless. So, uh, Dean, if you find yourselves in yourself in dire straits, you know, for some reason you lose your job, uh, all of your money just is you know, goes down the drain. They're they're giving out free tents to the homeless in LA and it'll be, you have catered meals there as well. So if, you know, that's something that interests you, LA might be the place for you to move back to. Well, I paid enough taxes uh, to, to pay for those things that, that I should be benefiting from it, but I but I won't. Um, I just think that they're just encouraging, the policies encourage the homelessness problem there. Um, you know, Gavin Newsom, when he was governor of, uh, uh, when he was, sorry, when he was mayor of San Francisco said, you know, I have a 10 year plan to eradicate homelessness here in San Francisco. How'd that work out, buddy? Yeah. How is yeah. that working, how is that not, working not, out? Not, not, not so great. I would say, uh, well, Dean, luck, luckily for you, you are very, very far away from LA. You're very far away, far away from all of the woke politics that you have been trying to get as far away from. You're in Spain. I hope you're living it up. And, uh, we so appreciate you coming on the show and hope to have you back soon. Need time. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. All right. Uh, well, moving on, guys, uh, we have another story. This is a little bit of a, I guess, pivot from what we normally are experiencing in sports. Normally, we have the biological men trying to play in the women's sports, but now we actually have a woman, not not a man who is, you know, <laughs> appearing to be a woman. This is a real woman yes. uh, who is now playing in a man's league. Uh, this woman's name is Haley Van Voorhees. She's a safety at Shenandoah University in Winchester, Virginia. Now is the first woman to appear in a NCAA football game at a position other than kicker and the eighth woman overall to appear in such a game. Uh, so it's interesting because this is the opposite of what we tend to see now. Uh, do you think that this is something that we should consider to be groundbreaking, something that we should be supportive of happening more? Or do you think that, like, we expect men to stay in their lane and let women play their own sports? We should also say to women, listen, this is a man's sport. This is a man's league. You should probably stay in your lane as well. Well, I think part of what we have the biggest problem with is the fact that men jumping over to the women's sports tends to lessen competition and give guys who were marginal athletes you know, superior advantages. They wind up setting records and finishing first and everything. I'm, I'm totally on board with a, with a female coming on and trying to take on a challenge like playing with the guys. Uh, but doesn't I, that, I mean, but let's be honest. We know that women aren't as fast, as strong, right. as, as uh, powerful as men. Okay. If I'm a guy, why do I want a woman on my team? Because to me, that's taking down the level of competition when we could have a guy in that spot who perhaps is a better fit and could accomplish more. So I guess as long as they can keep it a meritocracy and and the female is being judged based upon her play and not the fact that it's just good press, let her get a shot at it. I mean, I watched one clip from the from the game, not not a ton, so I, I can't make yeah. a great you know assessment, but I seen her come off the edge. She pressured the quarterback a little bit, didn't really hit him terribly <laughs> hard, but it's better than kicking. 
so it's it's actually a foot you know a football yeah. you know a football play so let's see and if uh, unfortunately you know god forbid it, it turns out bad or she gets outplayed then you just gets outplayed or perhaps more prone to injury because you know she's right. a woman but uh listen speaking of women uh there is one woman that we are now saying goodbye to and thank goodness for that it is a beautiful day chris in the sports world as megan rapino officially is retired now does that mean she's going to go away and we will never hear from her again not spewing her woke garbage anymore eh, highly doubtful but at least now her wor words hopefully hold less relevancy though how appropriate that she would end her career in chicago this weekend the same city where on september 4th 2016 she became america's first white athlete to take a knee since then she has continuously badmouthed the u.s and its need for a more progressive agenda she's advocated for trans athletes to be able to play in women's sports and she has called for equal pay compared with male soccer players Rapino's focus on the game has been a fraction of what her activism has been, and her former captain, Carly Lloyd, called Rapino's behavior a distraction. Then at this year's World Cup, her behavior infuriated many around the country. The icing on the cake, her missing a penalty, and then smiling. And when asked her greatest memory of her career, she naturally would respond with equal pay. How rich is that? Uh, at least now we can hopefully focus again on the actual game of soccer, and instead of woke politics. When you think of Megan Rapino, Chris, and her career and what it meant, do you think of the game of soccer or do you think about the damage that she's doing to women and their ability to have successes of their own and keep their opportunities? Unfortunately, that's exactly what I think. I, I kind of think of an ingrate who had incredible opportunity in a position where in almost every other country she wouldn't have been put on the same pedestal that she was and she just never took it serious and she was never grateful for the opportunities that she had and she was a great soccer player so it's unfortunate that we have to think of her as the blue-haired uh penalty kick missing kneeler now who just you know she left a bad taste in everybody do you mind. think that she's going to have other opportunities as far as commentary goes or broadcasting or do you think that most of the networks will say this is someone we want to steer clear of well certainly with the world that we live in she's going to get opportunities but we've seen in the past um when athletes stop playing their voice does tend to dull you know unless you're one of those special uh the tony romos or the kobe bryant's or the tom brady's who still had the shannon sharps who have these great platforms yeah. to be able to you know, still share with the world, the, the athlete's voice tends mm -hmm. to tends to dull quick. That's why I think so many of them work so hard to continue to find relevancy yeah. afterwards, you know? Well, I will say you now have more relevancy. I appreciate uh, that. You know, not just being here on the show. Just joking. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're now you're now a, a soon-to-be-a-married man. Ah. Uh, congratulations again on your engagement. Thank you so much. That's super exciting. I'm excited. Uh, well. You have a lot to look forward to. We're going to let you go. Go spend more time with your fiancé. I also know you have some athletes to train. I do. This uh, we, afternoon. We, yeah, so you have a lot on your plate. Uh, but I thank you so much for coming on the show. A pleasure. And we will definitely see you again soon. And everybody else, we will see all of you again soon. Because, as you know, tomorrow morning, back here with another fresh episode of Outkick the Morning. But until we see you then... Go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Also, hit the like. Leave me a comment. Let me know if you felt a certain way about any of the topics we covered today or if there's something that's so hot on your mind that you need us to talk about it in studio tomorrow, the next day, the list goes on. And you always know where to find me, at Charlie on TV, across all social platforms. Until tomorrow, everybody, we will see you. Have a wonderful day. Stay dry if you're here in the Northeast. And we'll see you tomorrow morning.
Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com slash best.